It's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR-FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, July 7th. I'm Kelly Reese and this is your KVMR Evening News. First up on the California Report. After months of alarm, forecasters predict that Tulare Lake has peaked in size. But questions still surround what could have happened if floodwaters had overtaken two state facilities on the outskirts of the city. Details ahead. Then, we've got a look at your local news and weekend weather forecast. The Dark Star Orchestra and World Fest are headed to the Nevada County Fairgrounds, courtesy of the Center for the Arts in Grass Valley. Up ahead, KVMR's Felton Pruitt gets the details from the Center's Executive Director, Amber Jo Manuel. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. Stanford graduate student workers voted yesterday to unionize. As KQED's Holly J. McDeed reports, this effort is part of a wave of labor organizing that's happening in higher education. In February, graduate student workers at the University of Southern California also voted to form a union. And months before that, University of California academic workers led the largest higher education strike in U.S. history. At Stanford, 94% of graduate student workers voted to unionize. Stanford PhD student Catherine Watley says they're pushing for higher wages and better job protections. So a union is really a way that we can have a safer and fairer workplace to do the work that we want to do as graduate students. In a statement, Stanford said it looks forward to working in good faith with the union. For the California Report, I'm Holly J. McDeed. After months of alarm, forecasters predict that Tulare Lake has peaked in size. That means the risk of flooding has likely subsided for the city of Corcoran. But as KVPR's Carrie Klein reports, questions still surround what could have happened if floodwaters had overtaken two state facilities on the outskirts of the city. Live at 6. Happening now, historic flooding could lead to years of recovery in Kings County. Acres. It was mid-March, the week of St. Patrick's Day. And just like the snowmelt surging out of the Sierra Nevada, the news of the flooding came in torrents. It was just every day, all day, the flooding and the flooding and these levees. That's Joseph, one of 8,000 men incarcerated within Corcoran's two state prisons. He's got a 15-inch television in his bunk bed, which he had tuned to the news. It was ABC 30. That's what I watch every morning. Joseph isn't his name. He's using an alias for fear of retaliation. He's incarcerated at the substance abuse treatment facility known as SADF, and he's speaking out against the administration. Back in March, it was unclear whether the levee that surrounds Corcoran would keep the rising floodwaters at bay. And yet, for weeks, Joseph says admins never acknowledged the potential for flooding or explained what to do in case of an emergency. It's concerning to me not knowing what will happen, not knowing that if we are required to evacuate, Is it going to be at a minute's notice? KVPR has since learned that emergency plans for the state's prisons are years out of date. And even though the State Department of Corrections, known as CDCR, is preparing new ones, they've shared few details. And so even though flooding is now unlikely, some wonder if these prisons were prepared for an emergency and if they'll be ready the next time, as climate and rainfall become more unpredictable. This is not a question of if this will happen, it's when. 
Eric Henderson is a public policy grad student at UCLA. He recently co-authored a report that raises concerns about CDCR's lack of transparency when it comes to emergency planning. He says withholding those plans from the people affected can be dangerous. And that not only puts incarcerated people in harm's way, it also puts community members and the resources from our state in harm's way as well. Henderson says he and his co-authors want to be reassured that inmates would be safe in an emergency evacuation. For instance, would inmates with medical needs get priority? And what would happen to personal belongings like legal papers? In an email statement, CDCR spokesperson Mary Jimenez said the prisons are well-stocked with medical supplies. She also said inmates could pack up and send their belongings. But her agency has denied requests for the emergency plans themselves, citing security concerns. Attorney David Loy with the nonprofit First Amendment Coalition says even if some parts of a report are exempt from public view, the rest of the document is not, like the table of contents and publication date. Anything which is subject to disclosure in a document must be disclosed, even if other parts of that document can be redacted and withheld. CDCR has confirmed to KVPR that newer plans have been written but not yet published. To Michael, another inmate at SADF, the outdated plans and lack of transparency are a reason to think the incarcerated population is being overlooked. And even when Governor Gavin Newsom pledged millions to bolster the levy that protects Corcoran, Michael never heard concern for incarcerated men, only for the prohibitive costs of evacuating them. I think they admitted it. It's about the money. It would cost too much money to move everybody. It's shocking Michael hopes he never has to learn what the consequences of evacuating his prison would be. For The California Report, I'm Carrie Klein in Fresno. Support for The California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. The Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved children and youth. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt through the Schmidt Family Foundation, working together to create a just world where all people have access to renewable energy, clean air and water, and healthy food. On the web at theschmidt.org. And finally, this summer, we're talking to Californians about how they're spending their summer months. Today, we head to the Venice Beach Boardwalk. It's a place that's long been popular with street musicians, and it's where I met guitarist Eric Gray, who's a fixture on the boardwalk. He talked about the importance of the season to both his art and finances. The summer is like, it's a whole new vibe. It's like you can feel it in the air, and it's like a lot of people are around. The people are more happy. The kids are out playing. So, so actually, there's more donations for me, you know, more tips and stuff for me. So summertime is a good time, it's, especially for musicians, street musicians, because trust me, I'm out here in the wintertime too, and it's cold and it can get, you know, a little less money. So, you know, there's more donations in the summertime. And it's like I don't have to bundle up and my fingers as a guitar player. It's not, you know, you know, getting cold and stuff like that. So I really enjoy the summertime. I really wait on it, you know. I really anticipate it. You think the music sounds better, just a little bit better in the summer? With some ice cream and, you know, and some bikinis. And <laughs> well, can you take us out with some music? Sure. It would be an honor to play for you. This one is off my album, and it's perfect for the summer, and it's called Time to Fly. Time to Fly, all right. Time to 
And that is the California Report for Friday, July 7th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Brendan Willard, Danny Bringer, and Seal Muller. Our producers are Holly J. McDeed, Izzy Bloom, and Keith Mizuguchi. And our senior editor is Angela Corral. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great day and weekend. Let's take a look at today's local news. In late June, the Nevada County Transportation Commission was awarded $14.6 million in Trade Corridor Enhancement Program funding. The hefty sum is for southbound improvements on State Route 49, specifically for a section of the corridor between the McKnight Way Interchange and Labar Meadows Road. The venture, which will be known as the SR-49 Corridor Improvement Project, has been broken down into phases. Phase 1 focuses on northbound improvements. The recently acquired nearly $15 million will be allocated towards Phase 2. Phase 2 includes the construction of a southbound truck climbing lane, eliminating the southbound lane drop and merge point south of the McKnight Way interchange, and the construction of a new entrance on 49 to the new Nevada County Transit Operations Center. In a news release, the Nevada County Transportation Commission says both Phase 1 and Phase 2 improvements will be undertaken together, with construction beginning in 2025. Ed Schofield, who is the Nevada County Board Chair and who also serves on the Nevada County Transportation Commission, says, quote, This funding will bring this project to completion sooner, lessening the construction impacts for residents with much-needed safety and evacuation improvements. The 36th Annual Sierra Storytelling Festival takes place this weekend, up on the San Juan Ridge in the foothills of the northern Sierra Nevada. KVMR's Steve Baker has the details. Well, it's the 36th Annual Sierra Storytelling Festival, with some big names and diverse, talented tellers performing at the historic North Columbia Schoolhouse's new outdoor amphitheater stage on the San Juan Ridge. The guest teller this year is historian, horse wrangler, and cowboy poet Larry Maurice, who has spent the last 35 years in the eastern Sierra and high deserts of Nevada. Maurice is known for his cowboy poetry that speaks from the heart of the day-to-day cowboy, as well as his ability to breathe life into the history of the American West. He'll perform at both of the evening shows on that new stage, as will the other featured poets. The Local Teller Showcase, which kicks Saturday off at 9.30 a.m., will feature Shelley Covert from the Nisanan Tribe, offering indigenous stories that include some she learned from her grandparents. More information about the festival and its cast, how to get tickets, and everything you ever wanted to know about this long-running festival is available at this website, sierrastorytellingfestival.org. Thanks, Steve. Now let's pivot to your forecast from the National Weather Service. A low-pressure system will cast a cool-weather spell this weekend on Northern California, but not for long. The San Francisco Chronicle says weather models predict an area of high pressure that could spur on warmer and drier conditions by Sunday. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight clear with a low around 59 degrees. Saturday sunny with a high near 84. Saturday night will be clear with a low around 57 degrees. Sunday, sunny with a high near 81. Sunday night will be clear with a low around 54 degrees. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight mostly clear with a low around 46 degrees. Saturday, sunny with a high near 79. 
Saturday night will be clear with a low around 46 degrees. Sunday sunny with a high near 77. Sunday night will be clear with a low around 43 degrees. Sunday could be breezy with winds up to 25 miles per hour. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight clear with a low around 55 degrees and gusts as high as 18 miles per hour. Saturday sunny with a high near 86. Saturday night will be clear with a low around 54 degrees. Sunday sunny with a high near 84. Sunday night will be clear with a low around 55 degrees. You're listening to the Evening News on KVMR. The Nevada County Fairgrounds continue to be a popular destination this summer. Stick around, KVMR's Felton Pruitt has details on what the outdoor music venue will host in the coming weeks. We're talking with Amber Jo Manuel. She is the executive director of the Center for the Arts, who have a bunch of great events coming out to the uh, Nevada County Fairgrounds in Grass Valley over there on McCourtney. Uh, we've got World Fest starting on Thursday, July 13th, running through Sunday, July 16th. And then the Dark Star Orchestra is going to get things kicked off Wednesday, July 12th out at the fairgrounds. So, boy, you got a lot of stuff going, Amber Joe. We do. The staff over here at the Center for the Arts is super busy getting all of these great events happening. And we're super excited for next week. Yeah. Well, let's talk about uh, Dark Star real quick first. Yes, they are going to be playing a four-hour concert. It starts at 7 p.m., and we have not had them back in many, many years in Grass Valley. They played the Vets Hall a couple times, and it always sold out. And so what a great Wednesday night. This is July 12th, next Wednesday, yeah. It is, yes. And um, it's going to be a wonderful evening under the stars. We've sold out almost, I think we've almost sold out all of our private cabanas. Um, So I think it's going to be great. I'm excited about it. And for those that aren't familiar with Dark Star Orchestra, of course, Dark Star was a Grateful Dead classic. And so what they do is they perform Grateful Dead concerts from the past in their entirety. And we don't know what show they're going to choose for next Wednesday. You don't know what show. And they play all four hours. So it's, you know, you're really getting your bang for your buck on your ticket for that because they're playing a long time. And there's camping available for that show. If you just wanted to come to Dark Star and camp separately, you totally can. Okay. And then we've got World Fest getting going the very next day and running through Sunday, July 16th. That is right. It starts on Thursday night, and it always starts with our Indigenous Peoples Village opening ceremony. So Shelly Covert will get us started And there's some great acts. Marie Sue just signed up to come on Thursday night. Isla Nario, who's local, will be there. Charlie Lowry, an artist that I discovered when I was um, on the road. And she is from North South Carolina, I do believe. And wonderful blues voice. Like, you will love her. And Superman, who's popular that's been here before. So that's our Thursday night kickoff. Then what's happening on Friday? And Friday, one of my favorite artists that I have wanted to book for World Fest for a really long time, Angelique Kajo. And if you have followed Angelique Kajo, you have seen what a wonderful performer she is on the stage. She dances. She has high energy. It is a wonderful performance. Her voice is striking. Uh, she's called Africa's Premier Diva. She's won five Grammys. Like She's one of the greatest international artists in the world today. 
and she just actually won an international artist award um uh, she's also like listed as one of the most powerful celebrities in africa so she's somebody that you shouldn't miss tell us about some of the other artists that are playing at world fest well, I, I think the community has been probably most excited about Zap Mama. Like, everyone's like, oh, you got Zap Mama. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Everyone has been so excited to see her come. And um, she hasn't toured in a while. So I think this is going to be a great opportunity to come see her. What day is she playing? She's Sunday. She closes us out Sunday night. Right on. And who else are you excited about? I'm really excited about AGG7. So a couple of years ago... Some people probably saw the Korean men and there was another band and I'm trying to think of their name and they wore some really crazy hats. They were a little punk rock, a little bit reggae. And those are actually members that now have formed another band called AGG seven. And you know, it's like folk pop shaman style from Korea. I don't know any other way to describe it, but when I saw them in New York a couple of years ago, they were so wild. They were wild on the stage. It was like Korean punk rock. I don't know how else to describe it. Super high energy. The costumes are amazing. The hats are amazing. Um, if you love Daka Braca and to see that performance, like you will love AGG7. We're talking with Amber Jo Manuel. She's the executive director of the Center for the Arts who are putting on World Fest Thursday, July 13th through the 16th. It gets started on Thursday. How do folks get tickets in advance for this? So we can go online to worldfest.net and we got all your tickets for you right there. So you can get a four-day pass, you can get a one-day pass, and you can get a two-day pass. There's still camping available. There's no more RV sites. They're all sold out. But there is camping and it's really great to camp because then you get to go to late night, you get to go to the drum circle, you can like do music like out in the campground. It's really the best way to experience the event. Tell us about Late Night. Ah, Late Night. If you went to see Balkan Bump a few months ago at the Stonehouse, they were really awesome. And they are going to be our Saturday night, Late Night. That's 11 p.m. to 1.30. And you only need a ticket for that day of World Fest. And that gets you in. There's no additional charge for Late Night. So if you got a ticket for Saturday, you get to go to Saturday Late Night. And if you got a ticket for Friday, you get to go to the Friday late night. And the Friday late night is going to be L-Dub and Galactic Vibes. Well, it's all a bunch of wonderful stuff. Now, one of my favorite things, of course, is you have uh, Paul Emery and I are over at the uh, World Stage. And that's that's a whole other world over there. And it's so beautiful. Yeah, our Global Indigenous Stage. And we have some great acts on that. Charlie Lowry, which I talked to you about before. And this year... We're trying some different things. There is an indigenous artist from Seattle called Delbert Anderson, and he plays jazz. And so he's going to be on that stage and you can check him out. So it'll be it'll be like a little jazz fusion. It'll be great. And Marie Sue will be playing there. Um, There'll be some workshops. uh, Twice as good, which is from Lake County, will be there. Um, It'll be a great time. So at World Fest, it's a family event. Talk about what there is for the kids. So we have Kids Fest this year, and Kids Fest is uh, kind of on the grass that's where the welcome stage was. It's like right when you walk in to the right, and there is arts and crafts, there's water games, there's all kinds of stuff. And what's so great about that location is you can see the main stage and kind of keep an eye on your kids at the same time, (laughs) which I know I appreciate. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think it's a great location for that. And there's a couple things that are a little different um, about World Fest this year that folks should know. Like, we don't have access to some of the buildings we had in the past. So arts and crafts will actually be right there on the grass when you walk in, um, rather than in that sugar pine building. And we don't have access to the welcome um, where the welcome stage used to be, but we do still have access to those bathrooms, like right when you come in and all that kind of stuff. The fairgrounds just needed more, they needed some more space this year for getting ready for the fair and all that stuff that they do. Alrighty. What else should people know about what to bring and things like that? I would bring a hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think a hat and sunscreen is a really good idea. Um, you can bring your empty water bottle and then fill it up when you get inside. Uh, please don't bring your pets. Even emotional support animals, please leave them at home. It has to be a service animal. It's the World Fest happening July 13th through the 16th. Check out our website, and you could buy tickets at worldfest.net, or you could show up at the gate and buy tickets at Gate 1. That's Amber Jo Manuel. She's the executive director of the Center for the Arts, putting on World Fest July 13th through the 16th, as well as the Dark Star Orchestra on July 12th. You got a bunch on your plate there. Have a great week. Thank you, and we will see you in KVMR out there as well. That's our newscast for this Friday, July 7th. KVMR gets support from generous listeners like you and Colfax Farm and Country Store, family-owned since 2007 in downtown Colfax. Open daily 9 to 6, Sundays 10 to 2. Carrying hay, feed, premium pet and bird food. Also supplies and gifts. Delivery available. ColfaxFarmStore.com And The Mystic Theater, located on Commercial Street in downtown Nevada City. This week, bringing back the new romantic comedy fantasy, Tulips. Full information and showtimes are available at KVMR's online community events. Support for KVMR's Future of Radio project comes from AJA Video Systems, empowering the next generation of local journalists and broadcasters. The KVMR Evening News is produced by KVMR News Director Claudio Mendoza. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Have a great weekend.